This is WCPO FM 1051 on your FM dial, Cincinnati, Ohio. WKRC, Cincinnati. This is the nation station. Hi again, everyone, and welcome to the Cincy Shirts Podcast. It's episode 41. Today on our show, transportation in Cincinnati with public transit advocate Derek Bowman. That was kind of John Roebling's vision to have this grand boulevard down Vine Street across the bridge. And for many years, they argued about much like the same type of arguments we have about transportation today. The riverboat interests didn't even want the bridge because uh, it's, ah, it's going to be in the way. You know, it's going to block the riverboat somehow. Derek is a lifelong public servant, retired police officer, and former candidate for Cincinnati City Council. We had a great chat about everything from the streetcar to parking to the highways around town and what other cities are doing in terms of helping their citizens get around. Did you know that Kansas City and Detroit opened streetcars recently? We learned all about that. So uh, be sure to listen for the promo code at the end of the episode. And as always, you can use that to save 20% on your next Cincy shirts or old school shirts, speaking of other cities, oldschoolshirts.com order. So with all that out of the way, let's talk to Derek Bauman. Cincinnati, Ohio. Cincinnati, Ohio. I come from C I N C I N N A T I Cincinnati. She came down from Cincinnati. Just maybe think of me once in a while. I'm at CincyShirts.com in Cincinnati. Yeah, so hey guys, we're just uh, hanging out at the stock room back here. Hyde Park Retail Store, Cincy Shirts, our professional podcast studio. And this week we're here with Derek Bauman. Indeed. So, yeah, yeah, thank you. So, so, so people that don't know you, you uh, are a... Retired or former Mason police officer? Yeah, so um, 26 years as a, as a cop. I live in over the Rhine. Been down there about almost 10 years now. Have and you always lived down there, or uh, did, well, you, did you commute up to Mason? Yeah, I commuted up to commuted up to Mason, but uh, you know, originally I'm from the Cleveland area and, and grew up oh, on. Oh, here, oh, here we go. <laughs> Here we go. Yeah, That's all, right. It's back to Cleveland and PF. Right. PF, by the way. <laughs> PF. We met Josh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, um, well, first of all, let, let's let's just back up and say thank you for having me on. I know, you know, I love just Cincy shirts. Anyways, I was telling you when I walked in the door, like, I, I love going into Cincy shirts. Your not only are your designs and your 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 products are amazing, but um, just like the store, the vibe when you walk in, it's almost like you want to have a cup of coffee and hang out. You just have that kind of warm, welcoming feeling. So I've always appreciated, you know, what you guys do, what you've, you've always done. supported us, and thank you for a hundred percent small local business, you got successful. And now, you know, the other thing that really gets me, and especially after, and I got my Cincy Strong yeah. uh, shirt on, um, and especially uh, kind of ties in, you know, in terms of being a retired police officer, what you guys have done in the, with the community. Everything's with supporting the zoo and Fiona to Cincy Strong and, and, you know, kicking back money to good organizations that do good work in the community. To me, that's what it's all about, you know. In, in Cincinnati, it's a it's kind of a big, small town or a small, big town, depending on how you want to look at it. And just, you know, supporting a community like that is really awesome. So I appreciate that you guys do that. So not only do you have great stores, I like to just come and hang out. And, like, I can't even wear all my Cincy shirts, man. I can't. I need to wear, like, two or three a day to rotate through them all. 
and I appreciate you having me on. But the background, you know, the background is I ran for council last cycle. I retired in 2016, got hurt at work, kicking a door, and that's a whole other story. Um, but a uh, couple opiate addicts, unfortunately, and, and the wife was stabbing the husband, and I got there and was the first one uh, there and kicked the door in, and my left leg buckled, and I now have a plate and six screws hold my left leg together, and that unfortunately ended my po- police career up in Mason. But you know, it's offered me the opportunity now to continue. Um, to work in public service. Uh, I ran for, for council last cycle. Didn't quite make it. was a couple thousand votes short. Um, but I'll be back next time on that. But, you know, I like to take this, uh, this opportunity that I have to speak about the issues that are very important to our city, um, to our region, and to our communities and our neighborhoods. And I know we specifically want to talk about public transit today, and that's one of them. Growing up on the east side of Cleveland, my dad rode, because they have the light rail that goes out to the west side, out to the airport, and out to the east side where we lived. And my dad rode the train to work every day. We only had one car. My mom didn't graduate from high school. We, we could only afford one car. She worked the factory for her whole life, and they would trade off. And so he, my dad and my family used public transportation on a daily basis. So people are, dude, you were this cop in the suburbs. Like, why are you so into this public transit stuff? My family relied on it growing up. And, and up in, in Northeast Ohio and really across the country, almost every major city has better public transportation than we have here in Cincinnati. It's a shame. Um, but that's why I'm passionate about this issue. You know, it's important for people, um, not only people that rely on it, but people that um, just don't want to use a car as much today. We see our young people, you know, millennials um, and older folks as well that don't that just don't want to d- drive and park and, you know, the expense associated with a car and and, uh, and even the public safety factor of it. You know, we have a, over a thousand people killed each and every year in, just in the state of Ohio alone in traffic crashes. You know, and when we talk about pollution and, and those kinds of things and or just get into climate change, all of it, there's so many reasons, the economic reasons. Um, it drives business uh, and allows people to be able to get to work. So for all of these reasons, that's why I'm passionate about public transportation. And we want... You know, like, I've lived here my whole life. I worked at Procter & Gamble before I started doing stand-up. I lived downtown. Nobody lived downtown. There was no no businesses were open because nobody lived downtown. And if you want people to live downtown, they don't want to have to drive their car from OTR to the banks or walk that far. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's such a no-brainer, and I've always felt like one of the... I don't know if sad's the right word, but unfortunate mindsets of the city is so many people, they come to downtown to work, they go back to live in the suburbs. They don't realize that if we want a thriving downtown, that downtown that we're jealous of that other cities have, people need to live there. And for right. people to live there, they have to have public transportation. Oh, uh, with, with Without a doubt. I mean, and, and so for myself, living in over the Rhine, you know, I choose to live there. I want to get, be able to get around without a car. It's unfortunate that, you know... That that I had to drive out here today. Um, you That's can't. Or if you walked. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. Um, it, it's challenging with you know with Metro, and we could talk about that whole bigger picture with our um, bus system. But you know, it's unfortunate. There's just not a better way even to get out to Hyde Park. It's not that far, right? Uh, without having to drive. Now you can't take a bus out here, but it's it's just really inconvenient for people. There, you know, there's people that have two hour commutes every day. You know, on the bus trying to get to work. Yeah. How long um, would a bus from OTR to? Yeah, just, I think that's part of it too. Is like, I, I think I've been on the city bus maybe once. Right. I my whole, I've lived here for you know uh, 
over 20 years. I worked at Fifth Third in the Fifth Third building, ironically, downtown, for, and uh, we got off early one day, and I took him, I'd taken the, or Patty dropped me off or something. We only had one car for some reason. And she said, well, meet us. It was fr- uh, Good Friday. And she said, we're, all, we're getting a hotel for the weekend, and so come on, come home early. We'll meet at the hotel. So I get, I got on the bus, and it took the 24 bus all the way through Mount Auburn, all the, it, 45 minutes to go from downtown to Anderson. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's just it's it's just really inconvenient, you know, for people, and it's hard for those that just simply have to rely on it because they have no other option. You know, it's just very it's just very challenging. So it's something that we need to work on, really, as our region. And, and so, to me, there's kind of two pictures, and and you're absolutely right about this. A lot of people get kind of get lost, and there's some revisionist history that goes on now because you know, ten years ago, or almost ten years ago, when I moved into OTR. You know, it wasn't like it is today, and and there was no guarantees of that. But really, a city, at the end of the day, is really only as strong as its core, right? I I mean, you can't have a donut hole there. That's just not a strong foundation for it. For anything, right? Yeah. Um, but particularly with this city, and so we need to be able to offer other options to people. And when you look, um, this summer I spent a lot of time really traveling across the country, and I, I've been to about eight cities this summer. And you know, one of the things I do is look at and compare. In business, we talk about uh, benchmarking, right? And and then looking at best practices um, and how can we achieve that. And and to me, um, in the in the public sector, it's no different. So what's going on in Pittsburgh, you know, we hate the Steelers and all of that, but uh, what's going on there? What's going on in Kansas City? What's going on in Milwaukee? Not just the crazy, you know, coasts, right, but other Midwestern cities, even Detroit, man, Detroit. I was in Detroit this summer. There's amazing stuff going on there. Uh, They opened up their new streetcar route on Woodward Avenue, if anybody's familiar with Detroit. Construction cranes all over the place. Um, there is this kind of movement uh, to go back to the cities and, and reinvest in the urban cores. And, you know, part of that is having strong uh, public transportation. And we're just far behind our peer cities and our peer regions um, on this topic. I'm, I'm all for the improving it. What I, I don't know if maybe it's a concern or maybe I'm just, I'm not knowledgeable in these areas. But, you know, like I was in Atlanta this weekend and I saw the MARTA system that mm-hmm. they have there, which goes to every part of town. It all meets in the downtown and you can just get on one other train and go wherever you want. And I just, I look at our city's geographical layout and I just go, if they decided they did want to do it and everybody would embrace it, where would you put it? It just seems like it's so cramped here anyway that there's just, could you even do a subway system if it ever made sense here? Because it just seems like you missed the boat on it. Is it possible? Yeah. It, well, well, we got a tunnel somewhere. Just got to finish it. Let's finish digging that thing. Well, that's a, so that's a, that's a great point. And, and actually, those tunnels are would still be viable. And nobody's really proposing that or, or have ta- done any studies. I know it'd be a lot of money. And the have you cha- been down there in them? Because I, I really want to. I have not. On a very rare occasion, they open that up to tours, but it's a very rare uh, anymore that they allow people down there. But I think that's a great point. We have had, I think, a long uh, history in Cincinnati of some short-sighted decision-making, particularly with regard to transportation. Let me, let me lay this out for just a second. 
if you look at a map, or even if you go down there to the banks, a lot of people are going down there now for the the uh, sky wheel yeah. uh, and stuff like that. We've seen the stuff happen on the sky wheel. Yeah, <laughs> I, yeah, I did see that 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 uh, photo floating around. Um, yeah, somebody had a good time. But, uh, the uh, Roebling Bridge. So we're talking what uh, late eighteen sixties after the Civil War. The Roebling Bridge is offset from the street grid. And originally the plan was that it would line up with Vine Street and kind of create this grand boulevard over to, I think it's uh, either Scott or Greenup Street um, in Covington. And that was kind of the vision, John Roebling's vision, to have this grand boulevard down Vine Street across the bridge. And for many years they argued about, much like the same type of arguments we have about transportation today, the riverboat interests didn't even want the bridge. Because uh, it's ah, it's going to be in the way, you know, it's going to block the riverboat somehow. And then there was concern about, well, because at that time, you know, the city was polluted, um, right? If you look at the old pictures of Cincinnati, then there was kind of a smog and stuff like that. It's just how it was um, at that time. And you had the idyllic pastures of northern Kentucky over there. And so there was this notion that if we make it too easy um, to have that view, then our, we're going to lose population because that'll make it easier for people. So we're just going to like kind of uh, make it a little bit offset so you don't have that easy view over that. That was ultimately the um, negotiation that ultimately got the bridge built after years of arguing about it. Really? Wow. Um, Let's move it 20 feet that way. Right, and we're right. And, it, and it's a shame now because you got to do that circle down there and drive sideways, and it's not. it doesn't fit to the street grid. It just, in the big picture, it makes no sense, right? <laughs> every time right? you drive on it, you feel like you're going to slide off of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and then, so then the next thing was our airport was out at Lonkin, um, which flooded and turned out not to be big enough or have enough space. So the, 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 in, the, in the 20s, we had this plan to... Uh, build a new airport out in Blue Ash, um, which was the Blue Ash Airport that the city of Cincinnati had bought that land, um, and that was the plan to have our international airport out there. Um, but various, uh, you know, NIMBY, not in my backyard interests up there, and political infighting and what have you, um, we dilly dallied, drug our feet, and ultimately Kentucky leaders said, "Okay, if you guys are going to mess around and build an airport, we'll put it over here." Now look, we got thousands and thousands of jobs. Amazon investing, I think, almost a billion dollars into their, um, you know, into their distribution system over there. All of this stuff. And Cincinnati's airport is in Kentucky. And then you mentioned the subway, right? Um, it was almost completed. It would have been a loop, much of I-75, uh, the Norwood Lateral. Um, and parts of 71 um, were built on because it was a subway downtown, but then it w- would have been above grade. Think about if that loop would have been completed. We would have put our airport in Blue Ash. There would have probably been an extension, you know, built from the, the rail system out to the airport in Blue Ash, and you would have had that connection. It would have all been here, you know, in Ohio, in, you know, in Cincinnati. We may have, you know, annexed all, all that way up there. Um, so there's this history of kind of short-sighted, decisions or where we start getting into something but then we get cold feet on it yeah um you know ah it's too much and this and that and then and then we lose you know and so that was part of the argument with uh, uh you know with the streetcar that we can't every hundred years get halfway into something do it halfway and then and then fail like that's yeah. just civically that's not a good mind place to be and if you're out trying to attract um, we're trying to grow, stop our population loss, which we've done. 
um, if you're trying to grow your population, if you're trying to uh, attract young people to move here, which is your talent that businesses want to hire, and if you want to attract uh, new business to come here, when our peer cities are moving boldly ahead on these things, um, and we're not, that, that just puts us in a very you know, weak position or weaker position than we need to be. Um, so I, I think that's our next big uh, challenge coming up is to um, look at our other cities. How did they do it? And of course, the challenge is we've got two states, you know, really Northern Kentucky is in our our region. That's what I'm saying. Um, too. Like, yeah, it's, it's Kentucky, but it's still Cincinnati. It's still I know the the money goes here yeah. instead of there, and but at the same time, any anybody that's in the loop, like I, I feel like Cincinnati still benefits from the airport being, you know, in Kentucky. Sure. Yeah, I, I don't know, but uh, I was always told that Chicago is Chicago because Cincinnati dropped the ball on being Chicago with the river and everything right here that Cincinnati could have been Chicago. You know, I think that's a fair statement because if you look back on the the history of it, you know, again, we kind of drug our feet. Union Terminal, which you have these union stations and union terminals across the country, and what that was was there were all the different railroads and they had their different you know, terminals, um, and so let's put them together into one location. Chicago's Union Station was open sometime right around the turn of the century, around 1900. You know, we didn't get ours done until, you know, the 30s. And by that time, the kind of tra- train era was, uh, other than World War II, which was used, uh, moved a lot of people. You know, by the 50s, it was on the kind of on the downhill slide, right? Um, but by, by that time, they were far enough ahead of that game that, um, that yeah, I think there were a lot of interests here. Um, because when you have, you know, especially moneyed interests that are... Uh, that their business model is kind of, you know, set around a certain way of doing business, whether it be the canal boats and the river boats and focusing on that versus the future of trains at the time, you know, we kind of lost out. And so I think, yeah, we were probably 20 or 30 years behind on that. And the railroads then focused on Chicago rather than what was the Queen City of the West. Right? So what what can we do now, now that, it, that our city is built up the way it is? Like, where would... Where would that fit outside of downtown? Because I understand why it's it's necessary in downtown. But, right. I mean, I would certainly love to be able to go from the airport to somewhere else without sure. having to park and drive and sure. everything. So, you know, uh, there's a lot of different things. Now, we had, you talked about MARTA. Um, this is kind of getting in the weeds a little bit. But MARTA, Chicago's the L, um, you know, where the heavy rail systems build on their own tracks. They're either a lot of, were either subways or elevated above ground. Um, we've seen in later years, you know, more of a focus on the light rail, which runs on the surface, um, runs on sometimes on the street. Um, there's kind of a hybrid streetcar slash light rail. I mean, really, our streetcars, if we expanded, they, they can do 45 miles an hour. So if you give it its own right away, it can go. So you start talking about other things like bus rapid transit. Um, there's a lot of things we can do. At the end of the day, it comes down to resources. And so, for example, we do not, in Cincinnati, this is one of the big things that holds us back, um, almost everywhere across the country has either a county-wide or better yet, a regional uh, sales tax um, to support public transportation. And now you could say, okay, we're going to do X amount of bus, X amount of bus rapid transit where the bus kind of gets its own lane and um, signal priority where if something comes up to the public transit, comes up to the light, it goes green uh, for public. So it 
keeps it moving, makes oh, it snappy. Yeah. You know, we can do that. The technology's out there. Um, so even for the streetcar, you know, we haven't even done a traffic uh, signal study yet to make the traffic lights work for it. And people say, well, why is it And it's been slow? for two years. We haven't had a study. Right. <laughs> it's ter I mean, it's terrible. It's terrible. But we have a, you know, we have a city hall that was uh, in an administ a current administration that was opposed to it. And so they haven't done, in my mind, very simple things to help to make it run better. Um, that we could do tomorrow, you know, we could do today. It should have been done before it opened, right? But that's just, it's a, the weird politics of, you know, the mayor's opposed to it. Um, and so... So the whole streetcar is ran by the city. There's not like a private company that is funded by the city that... Cause yeah, it's, it's kind of a it weird... It seems like if it's your own business, then you're going to take pride in it, you're going to want it to succeed, no matter what the, you know, the right. politicians think. Like, right. what do they have to do with it? Well, so uh, there is a. We have this thing. Let's get it to work. Everybody. Get it, yeah, get it, get it to work. <laughs> it's there. I mean, um, you know, it's kind of like this: the the Red Stadium. There was a, a discussion at the time to put it at Broadway Commons, uh, where the casino is now, versus down at the banks. And so some people wanted it there. Some people wanted it here. At the end of the day, the decision was to put it at the banks. Nobody's down there trying to tear it down. You know, everybody just goes down to the Reds game and, and enjoys it, has a good time. So, yeah. you know, we moved on. The decision was made, agree or disagree initially. We went this direction. Let's support it. So it's the same thing with this, but that's not happening. There's still, even in the media, you see just this negative, I, I don't know what it is. It's almost just like, a, you know, it's like you pick a team you, and, and you're for it or you're against it. And it's it's like, that's to me, it's like being against the sun coming up in the morning. Like, it's going to happen, right? Yeah. Whether you're against it doesn't matter. So let's, let's make it work. Let's make it work right. You know, let's make it good and we see the example in Kansas City uh, very Kansas City very similar city to ours their uh, streetcar system opened three months before our, ours did with the same exact vehicles their ridership is like four times what ours is so why is that in Kansas City why can't we do it here you know what but are they the, doing well the, for one thing they have a mayor that's very supportive of it so they actually try to solve the problems and not just not, not just hamstring it right and, and hamper it so you know for example um uh, they did a traffic study. The lights are aligned. It's uh, it's free fares. You know, people can just get on and get off. Uh, so that's something that's actually I, my understanding is David Mann, council uh, council member David Mann, has just introduced a motion recently, like today uh, or yesterday, um, to look at that because the. Um, amount of money that you get, first of all, the economic model for the streetcar is not based on the, the people say, well, it doesn't make money or it doesn't make money. The street in front of my house doesn't quote unquote make it like dollar bills don't come off of it. You know, yeah. uh, that's not the point of it. Um, the point is driving economic development and also the economic activity. So economic development, we see that with our eyes. There's been almost a billion dollars of economic development along the streetcar route. Okay. You can't say all of it's Due to that, but we can assign some percentage of that. So that's and we talk about the repopulation, right? So, so if somebody like me moves downtown on purpose, moves into the city, I used to live in Mason. Um, then you know now you have that spending of local shops like yours, and then your employee right. gets paid, and then they spend money at Coffee Emporium, right? Yeah. And then we see that now. People go to Finley Market and they go to the banks and they spend money everywhere they get off. If they can easily do that. That increases economic activity, um, and so in that way, it does kind of throw off cash, but it's not from the fare box. By the time you 
talk about the ticket machines, by the time you talk about the cost of enforcement um, uh, and all of these other things, the net's only about like $125,000 a, a, a year, okay, off of uh, what we get from ticket revenue. So if you said, well, let's just make it free fare for, down, for a downtown circulator, which it is, many cities do, like Kansas City, um, and if, if doing that attracts a lot more ridership, and all of those riders are then, they're not just riding going around circle, they're getting off at Finley Market, they're getting off at Taft's Ale House, they're getting off at Rheingeist or Fountain Square and going to Graders, right? And, go, and, and, serve, and going to the local businesses. That's the economic case there. Plus, um, if the economic a activity. streetcar full of people, the odds of you selling advertising inside the streetcar go through the roof because people know. More eyeballs. That's yeah. how advertising works, right? Yeah. Absolutely, a hundred percent. So we'll see how this goes. I think it's I think it's a good move. But um, again, I go back. You know, I've got a, a business degree and an MBA. I go back to on these issues. Um, you know, what would a business do if I'm uh, Cincy Shirts? If I'm the CEO, CEO of Cincy Shirts, and I've got a new product, but yet I don't support that product, or I badmouth it, or if I purposely do things in our infrastructure. Yeah. And then and then you look at the sales of prices. Well, the sales weren't that good. Well, if the CEO doesn't like the product <laughs> and is purposely doing things to hamper that product, like yeah. it's not going to work out well. Yeah. So um, so that's where we're at. I just think look, you make it people like it. They come down. Look at the look on the kids' faces when they get on there. Um, there's just something about it that's intrinsic. That's just that people like and enjoy. Well, the problem is is the way that the voting works in Hamilton County is that the people who are voting on it are not the ones that are targeting to use it or are going to use it and that's that's always the argument i mean you turn on the radio and it's always here it's like i don't know why i gotta pay for something i'm never gonna use and they it's 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 short-sightedness is all it is it, it is short-sighted and so for example i don't have kids i happily pay my taxes at cincinnati public schools right i mean first of all it's the right thing to do um and secondly like it's important for, it's just one of those things. It's important for our society, right? Yeah. Um, and so, uh, to me, it's the same thing. Like, Pete, we have in the city of Cincinnati over twenty percent of our households don't own a car. All right. We have fifty thousand jobs in Hamilton County that are unreachable by public transportation. Even if I have a, even if I have a car, I know there's people out there that can't afford it. If if people can't get to work, then what are they going to do, right? Somehow it's going to cost you. Right. <laughs> Somehow it's going to cost you. Right. But, you know, look, if you travel at all, you go to these other cities. And like I said, I ticked off a whole list. You know, Charlotte, Greensboro, North Carolina, places like that, you know, are investing in public, public transit. It's not just Portland. You know, it's not just New York City and Chicago. They build streetcars in Charlotte and... Uh, Oklahoma City is just about to open their streetcar. Detroit just opened theirs. Milwaukee's opens in... Milwaukee's opens in uh, December. Uh, Oklahoma City. I mean, you can't get any more red meat oil patch than that. Yeah. They're building a downtown streetcar in Oklahoma. I mentioned Kansas City. Um, Charlotte's on three or four expansions of theirs. Um, Kansas City's planning two or three expansions on theirs. So and we're still here arguing about traffic lights. Yeah. What was Kansas City's like uh, initial or original layout? Yeah, like like ours car. just kind of goes in that little loop and. It doesn't really cover. Like I could, I wouldn't want to, but I could walk it if I had to. You know what I mean? And yeah. Plenty of people do. Um, it's not like that far. What is it? A couple. What's the whole loop? Well, probably the bank's up to five miles all the way down. That's, and back that's up. a pretty hefty. I mean, I've walked down to P and G from our store. But, 
Yeah, if but you walk the if you walk the banks to uh, Rheingeist, you're, that's a pretty good workout. Yeah, but it rains so, and it gets cold here. But people do it every day. <laughs> yeah, no, well, I guess, <laughs> but, but still. Yeah, so I, no, I get your point. Uh, yeah, so there's. Do they have different routes that are more productive? Well, here's a here's the thing. You know, the original plan was to go all, for the first phase was to go all the way to the zoo, right? And then after Governor Kasich was elected in 20, uh, 2010, um, he pulled, I think it was about $52 million in state money, and so the pl- so he had to scale back. I think the way to look at this is this is not, this is like a 30-year deal, okay? So the plan always was to expand beyond that. The, the plan was to connect downtown to uptown because you've got, that's your two major job centers in an area in the middle where you wanted people to, to live and repopulate because of... OTR's population had fallen from along with the cities. And by the way, it's an interesting fact. 1951 was our peak population, 500,000 uh, 500, people. That was also the last year that our legacy streetcar system ran. And so that was part of this then flight to the suburbs. Um, that, and we lost city of in the city alone, okay. right, in the city limits. And so that was the original thought process behind this a streetcar system to connect downtown to uptown and repopulate and help to repopulate the core and people can get around without a car was to help stave off this population loss uh, ultimately because if you're if you're shrinking you're dying and we uh, bottomed out in about t- 2012 which ironically ironically was when the first streetcar rail went in the ground for construction was when our population stopped dropping um, and we hit about 294, 295,000. And so we, we lost 40% of our population. That's not a winning formula for a city, right, to lose 40. And then where does it stop? And so now we've staved that off and we're growing slightly. We're right around 300,000 now, but we're still supporting an infrastructure, a footprint, um, the sewers, the streets, the parks for 500,000. There's only 300,000 taxpayers supporting that. So to me, the, our goal should be growth, just like in business. And how do we achieve that? If there are steps A, B, C, and D that, that we can point to and say, this should lead to help us grow our, our, uh, our business foundation um, and then also help to grow our population of people, you know, what is that? And part of that today, if we know that young people don't want to drive as much or putting off getting driver's licenses, want to be on their devices mm-hmm. rather than driving, if we're going to be competitive in the market to attract that population to, to move here and ultimately grow our city, then what are the amenities? And I think you get into different things, bike infrastructure. <laughs> A Kroger's that you're not worried about, uh, you know, being robbed and going to. I mean, it's a... Not a, probably not as a true of a of a of a threat as I think it is, but I mean I remember when I lived downtown, like I was scared to go to that Kroger. Yeah, you know what I mean. And and I think if you're looking at uh, all these cities, and then you see ours, and you're like, well, where am I going to go grocery shopping? I mean, I think that that is a factor. Yep. And so uh, so having said that, I've shopped at uh, Vine Street Kroger since I mo- since I moved in down there. I've been fine. But you're right. There's a perception issue, right? It's a perception, especially subsequent to 2001 um, and the civil unrest that we um, that we had. I mean, uh, there's no there. yeah. yeah, there's no two ways around it. And so now we're you know fortunately we've kind of been waiting on Kroger to do this, and now we're getting that right across the yeah. street from Coffee Emporium. We're getting a new you know urban style Kroger with the apartments above, and it's been a long time. Coming. But I mean, that's one of the things they have to look at, you know, what do we need to do? Um, Again, I keep going back to business. 
you invest on the capital side, and ultimately you expect those investments on the capital side to throw off cash on the operating side, right? And so it's similar, the, the, the similar thing. The city of Cincinnati has a capital budget and an operating budget. Um, and so we make these capital investments that are hopefully attractive to business and people. And then ultimately that, because of the increased business activity and increased number of taxpayers, helps you on the operating side. So, you know, the other thing I think is like, I love our downtown. Like, you know, I'm such a homer for this city. But yep. It still has never lost on me to come around the cut in the hill and see our city sitting there. It's amazing. But it also kind of feels like with the way that the highways are currently structured that our downtown's almost as big as you could get it because it sits so perfectly between the two highways. With that, the talk of the bridge moving down the river, do you see that as like an expansion west of downtown to be a bigger downtown and thus really utilize something like the streetcar more because there's more space that needs to be covered by public transportation than we have right now? Right. Well, that's a that's a fantastic point. So um, I always like to, uh, you know, look back at the history. Um, you know, 71, particularly 75, when that came through, you know, the West End was a dense, historic neighborhood, primarily African-American and it was no, and this happened not just in Cincinnati, but cities across the country. In the late 50s and the 60s when the highway system was being built, and those areas were looked at as slums that we basically need to eradicate. It was no coincidence that 75 was basically barreled right down through there and displaced so many people, thousands and thousands of people out of the West End. And it, to me, it's just a shame. And so, um, you know, how can we, um, you know, one of the terms I use is connectivity. How can we re connect? How can we reconnect uh, neighborhoods? How can we uh, reconnect within neighborhoods? So we're looking at a couple of things. And over the Rhine neighborhood, we're working right now. Hopefully council can is able to come to uh, a good conclusion on this. We've been working for six years on a plan for Liberty Street Road Diet, um, which Liberty Street was uh, and it was just the size of a regular street. Now it's like a canyon, seven lanes wide, right? Because it was going to be a connector between 75 and 71. Ultimately, they moved that down to Fort Washington Way, down by the riverfront. Right. Um, but we want to shrink that footprint down just a little bit, make it easier for pedestrians. It, it just cuts in the northern and southern it parts. Feels of like o- it, it feels really like does. a dividing line. It feels like a dividing line. And so, you know, and then help people walk and help people on bikes and still maintain vehicular traffic. Another way where we can, to your point, which is fantastic, that we can literally create new land downtown is that Fort Washington Way, when the banks was designed and then built, and the the footprint, again, of Fort Washington Way was shrunk. It was much wider. Um, But it still feels like a canyon. If you're walking down the hill, down Vine or Walnut or Main, um, down towards the banks, and then you get to... It, it just feels the banks is just disconnected. It's its own it's little a, it's area. Over it's yeah, over, yeah, it's yeah. over there. So Fort Washington <coughs> Way was actually designed to be capped, um, and it can be capped. And then it's well, what do you want to put on there? It, it can actually fit buildings on it, um, not necessarily high rise. It would probably be like a medium rise type of mixed use buildings. But those four rectangles over Washington Way can be capped. You could have some of it be parks, green space, whatever. What you know, whatever you want the design to be. That's that's it's so hard to visualize, but it like to think that that could become a tunnel versus like that, a, essentially that's that's yeah. what it would be. Um, Columbus did that with uh, six seventy. 
um, capped part of that. Some other cities have across the country, but we, you know, that's some of the most valuable land in our city, right? And we can literally create it out of nothing. Uh, it was designed that way. It's going to take some money. Uh, Hamilton County Commissioner Todd Portoon uh, has been has been working on this, but so it's a plan that. That's been people are putting in place, huh? It's been talked about for ages, though. Yeah, right? it's yeah. been talked about, and and but you know what? Um, it, a lot of times, it just it, it takes the political will and and the, and the capital to get you know to get it done. And, and you look at different financing mechanisms. I believe that that that's something that we can um, do, and you don't have to do all four at once. You know, you can do one at a time. Yeah, because uh, it's a, it, it's such a stark contrast on both sides of it of like fun and play and everything else and then like buildings where you go to work you know if there's right. some way to like transition ease that you know yeah. and, and blend it together yeah right yeah and I, and I think there's a financial model out there where you know you can monetize that because that property is going to be worth money right and a developer is going to build something there and that's going to have value um, and so I, so I think there are you know mechanisms out there where yeah, it's going to take some money to do it. You can look at you know different funding sources, federal grants, and different things, uh, uh, state money, whatever it may be. Um, but there's an opportunity there, you know, that that we can literally create new land downtown and really connectivity, right? Connect the banks to downtown. I think it'll be a big plus for us. We got to bring the uh, inclines back. Why'd they go away? <laughs> I mean, come on, I gotta get to you know Mount Adams, Adams or yeah. Price Hill or. Uh, yeah, so there's been some talk, just like on a kind of a conceptual le- level, um, but some other cities uh, uh, use the aerial trams. So Portland actually has one, um, and so it's kind of like the gondola type of uh, type of thing. So I, there's been some lines put on the map where you could, you know, reconnect to you know, where the Bellevue incline originally was, basically, you know, up towards UC up there on the top of that hill. Um, and also Mount Adams and and uh, the incline district of East Price Hill that you could conceivably connect with with aerial trams, and it's done. Uh, last winter, I was in uh, Medellin, Colombia. Uh, they've got a heavy rail system. We won't ask what you're doing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I was I was enjoying the public transportation and their amazing Colombian coffee that they have. Uh, it's actually a great. Uh, I went some with some uh, friends who have family down there. Um, and, and amazing. It's a great country and great people and very warm and welcoming. It was awesome. But I, I'm down. I'm riding their public transit system. Very highly used. It's only been in about the last 15 or 20 years that they built this out. Um, and it's amazing. You think of Colombia like a developing country. But I can go down there and get around all over, I think it's almost 2,000 miles of protected bike lanes. We've been arguing about our one bike lane on Central Parkway for six years now, right? And, but you go to, it's just, it's how it is. It's the default way. Um, But there, that city is kind of in a valley and they have the different neighborhoods up on the hillsides. So they have the rail system. They have a brand new uh, streetcar that they, uh, they call it, usually they call it a tram in other parts of the world. But uh, they have a brand new streetcar. Um, they have the heavy rail system, and then the the to connect the neighborhoods connect the neighborhoods on the hillsides. They built the uh, they bu- built four or five uh, aerial trams, and you know looking at expanding that. So when we look at not only um, and if people travel to Europe or Asia, you see the best of public transit, right? Um, but even in developing countries, they're doing these things in our peer cities across the U.S. Not just the crazy coast, they're doing it, and in the 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 red states are doing it. Um, you know. Oklahoma City, car crazed LA is, you know, expanding their uh, public transit there. We're just behind on this. I think we just got to have some vision and then ultimately don't get cold feet. You know, we start doing it, 
Let's do it. Yeah. Um, and, and then the other thing we get into is these false choices where, you know, it's this or it's that. Let's talk about and. You know, how can, how can we do that? And, you know, at the end of the day, it's probably going to require, a, you know, a countywide or, a, or, you know, better yet, a multi-county sales tax. And, and so, yeah, there is going to have to be some investment there. Um, but what's the opportunity cost? You know, what do we lose by not doing it? What yeah. do we lose by... And there's a, a number of people out there that say, shut the streetcar down today and have a, put the cars on eBay. How are you going to go out and pitch, if you're the Chamber of Commerce, how are you going to go out and pitch Cincinnati as the place to come uh, for the next business that wants to come here, especially if it's some kind of tech business that needs to attract young talent? And we're the place that's, that, that's twice now. Yeah three times, you know, failed on something. We have a cool that, locomotive. Yeah, that others, that, but other cities are doing it. It's yeah. not impossible. Let's roll, man. Because we have so many assets in this city, such, you know, uh, great things in the arts and the parks and, you know, music hall and our amazing architecture that we have and our fantastic neighborhoods. Let's get out of downtown. Let's talk about our neighborhoods for a minute. Um, we see... Um, and I, it's almost like Cincinnati was built and laid out. You had this strong core, and then you had these kind of, uh, it's kind of like the solar system, uh, little, what do you call that, the uh, hanging mobile, uh, you know, in elementary school, oh, and the yeah. sun oh, and, the, yeah. and the planets out yeah. there. That was Cincinnati and the neighborhoods that were connected by the streetcars. Pleasant Ridge, you know, Oakley Square. Usually the squares were like a streetcar turnaround because they could circle around and come back. Um, you know, uh, Westwood, places like that. And so now we see these hubs, um, these little neighborhood business districts, and of course Hyde Park's been successful for you know a long time. But we see places like Madisonville, Pleasant Ridge. It's people that want to, you know, if you moved to OTR ten years ago and you were going to the bars and stuff down there as a twenty-something, and now maybe you're married and having a kid and a dog, and you still want to have a yard, but you don't want to live in Westchester. You know, God love Westchester, but people want to be close to the city, close to the core, close to the action. You know, we got FCC with the with a new stadium, right, and and close to where stuff is going on, but still have that walkable neighborhood. You can push the baby carriage or the stroller down to uh, the coffee shop or or to the local brewery. Now our brewery industry is coming back, and so it's this whole notion. I think we're kind of getting back to that sense. People want walkable neighborhoods to be able to safely ride their bike. Uh, and then connect the downtown where all the buzz and the action is and without necessarily drive park drive park pay ten dollars a park get back in your car drive six blocks drive again traffic get run over in the crosswalk because we don't you know we don't invest in pedestrian infrastructure here these road diets that we talk about traffic calming things to get people to slow down it's you know we lost sight of that in the 60s and 70s it was all about how can i race cars out to the suburbs faster you know we got to get people out to Colerain faster like no we want to be focused on focus on the the, the city and our neighborhoods you know yeah the parking how does the i'm sure that's got to be a, a battle because there's there's a vested interest in the parking thing because now parking is no longer free after five o'clock it goes to nine o'clock yeah it's seven days a week it's no longer you're off on the weekends uh, how i'm imagine those folks are fighting it well so here's the thing i i believe that you know that with the parking and outs going to they're making it 11 o'clock now downtown um here's a problem with our last budget cycle in cincinnati you know they look at the parking as a, just a revenue generator yep the concept on the parking is supposed to be that you have, at the meters, 
80% occupancy. That way, when you're a small business and somebody wants to pull up and park in front of your business, there should be a meter open somewhere in the vicinity. Okay, if there's not, if it's always full, that means your price is too low, right? Supply and demand. If the price is too high, there's then you know then it's going to be open too much. So you shoot for 80%, and then there's turnover and all those kinds of things. That's how it's supposed to work. It's supposed to like regulate parking to make it easy for people to drive and park and go to businesses and do what they have to do. It's not just supposed to be, well, we've got a hole in our budget of $10 million, so what can we raise the parking to to raise that much money? Yeah. You know, that's backwards. It's supposed, to work the, it's supposed to work the other way. So the parking has been just used as a financial means for the city to fill budget gaps, um, and that's just wrong. It's bad. It's not how it's supposed to, it's not how it's supposed to work. But you bring up a very interesting point in the big picture. And that is, who are the interests behind wanting to keep us tied to our cars? I mean, in the big in the big picture, right? Um, like, so as a public transit advocate, and I sit on the board of a statewide organization of 501c3 called All Aboard Ohio, and we're working on everything from bus benches up to improving Amtrak service. It's a like we you know we have a, like a thousand members uh, that pay their thirty five dollars annual dues um, and you know we accept donations we're a five hundred one c three but that's with the operation we're running on then you have you know there's a lot of money behind selling cars selling car advertising obviously the petroleum industry right um, the asphalt industry um, the sprawl a real estate industry that wants you to keep We'll build you a new highway, new road out to the Timbuktu, because we want to build houses out there on that green space. And then you got to have two, three cars to be able to drive everywhere you got to go. So there is a whole economy built around not making it easy for people to get around without a car. You know, there are huge interests in the parking garage business. You know, companies that are national companies that, you know, operate parking garages. That's what they do. Um, and so, you know, we had a, we had an instance with, uh, you know, I fought uh, very hard with a, a number of others to save the Denison Ho- Hotel building downtown, um, that there was a plan to rehab that. But, you know, we have a, 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 a powerful family that owned it that's in the car business and, and it's parking lots all around there. Um, so you, you just, you know, not saying that was the only reason, but I mean, when you start scratching the surface, it's like, always follow the money. All, you know, always follow the money. So, yeah, there are entrenched interests that want to keep people driving because they make a lot of money off of it um, on a many different ways. And so, um, uh, yeah, so that's the battle that you run up against. And there have been, uh, Phoenix actually just had, because they're looking to expand in their light rail system there, um, and they had uh, a Koch Brothers funded interests, you know, opposing their transit initiative there. Uh, Nashville had the same. And it wouldn't surprise me if we get a transit levy of some kind on the ballot, you know, here in Hamilton County, that this outside money comes in just because there's is uh, follow the money. So you moved to OTR from Mason 10 years ago. Yeah. And you mentioned why you're a proponent of the public transit system. But right. Did, were you always this passionate about it? Did it stem from just being an OTR and seeing like the real problems, or did it? Did you really get into it? You know, after your police career ended and you were trying to focus your energy somewhere else, right? Like, like you're obviously 
it went from like I get why people need public transportation to like doing your homework and running for council and wanting to make a difference and serving on these boards like what really fueled that level of interest yeah yeah i think i think at the at the end of the day and this is what gives me hope for the future at the end of the day it goes back to i remember being five years old uh walking around downtown cleveland with riding the train into downtown cleveland with my dad um and walking around and having a fantastic saturday afternoon you know with my dad and that's just that's how i grew up so it was it was just natural to me and i understood it made sense um it, it i got it just based on that and i got away from that because i'm uh, we later on we moved out to the suburbs uh near akron and uh, where i went to high school and uh, went to school at the university of akron and then uh, when i became a police officer and got hired at mason you know i was living and working in the suburbs i kind of got away from that and i saw this plan in the late 2000s when there was some, some cool stuff starting to happen in cincinnati again and so 2008 2009 i'm just downtown walking around and I start, like, it starts taking me back uh, and, and thinking about when I was a kid with my dad. And now I see on a Saturday afternoon, um, and we see hire for the streetcar. We see, and we've talked about a lot of other things, including our bus system that's extremely important. But for the streetcar itself, you see on a Saturday afternoon, because it doesn't run as fast as it should. And so the weekday ridership is low because people don't have time. Like, they got to get to lunch and get back, right? And so it should work for that. Right now, it's not totally. We're getting better. Um, but on the weekends when people have more time and you see the families down there, these Cincinnatians, uh, these young children that are growing up with that are going to have, a, I believe, a more, they're going to get it. They're going to have a more positive view and, and vision of getting around without a car. And so 10 or 20 years from now, you know, hopefully they start to transition into these leadership roles and, and it's going to be easier because if you grew up with something, you get it, right? I think, uh, I mean, it's a silly comparison, but I think that's why FC Cincinnati has taken off here is because finally the kids who played soccer as kids are growing up and are into it like my parents weren't into it. And so it's an easier sell now because yep. the... The people who can make the decisions of where to spend the money have a more, have a better fondness of soccer and the memories from their childhood than people in generations before that. I, I that's a that's a great analogy. I absolutely agree, and I can tell you, I was not a soccer. I'm I have season tickets in the Bailey now. Mm -hmm. um, I wear my FC you know uh, uh, Cincy shirts gear all the time, and. Um, Gotcha. You know, yeah, yeah. So, uh, and, and it's all. Have I ever mentioned how comfortable the shirts are? As well, it's a fantastic design. Um, we'll do like that. <laughs> but uh, you know, that's that's a great point. And so then, what happens is then there's an energy around it and a more of a positive vision, and that tends to then. And people are like, hmm, oh, okay. So even those that might not have been inclined then see that. Hey, I'll keep an open mind. I'll give it a I'll give it a shot, right? Yeah. And then go and then they have a good time. They're like, oh, I didn't realize I was been missing this yeah, for the last you know sense. fifty years, yeah, yeah or whatever. Um, and so I think that's a I think that's a great analogy. And you know, as far as uh, as far as that goes, um, you know, the new stadium's going to be uh, uh, just a block or two, you know, from a streetcar stop there. And as a matter of fact, FC uh, FC Cincinnati's already doing some advertising on the stations, um, the Finley Market Elm Street side station as a or it did. I don't know if it's still there or what the to the time frame was, but you know, they put a they put an ad up on that. Uh, and, and bought some ad space there because you're going to be able to walk right over. And I think that's a great example. People are going to be able to come downtown to go to FC game, park once, uh, hopefully even take public transportation if they can. Um, but you park once or, or Uber down, 
and um, and then use a streetcar to get around, go have a couple beers, have lunch, you know, and then and then uh, get off, or take a stroll through Washington Park, and then you know walk over to the walk over to the game. So I think that's going to be a huge take ass. a bird scooter. Yeah, take or, a or, yeah. who proved that? Well, I mean, it's like all the all the all the steps and all the the stuff that you, the hoops you have to jump through to get even like a stop sign on your cul-de-sac or whatever, all the paperwork, and then it seems like wait a second, now we just have scooters. That, that felt the like a follow the money more than anything of like who paid how much to just get this approved it's and it's, it's here. It looks fun. Well, I mean, um, like, yeah. Hey. So I've ridden them. You know, there's a lot of mixed feelings on the on uh, on the scooters. You know, generally speaking, I you know I support you know any way that makes it easier for people to get around, especially red in a bike, clean right? and green. Yeah, red bike, uh, whatever it may be. You know, there's some challenges with that because they they have essentially that's Silicon Valley venture capital money. You know, here's 500 million. Go drop these everywhere, and they took the um, the notion of you know it's better than how's that saying go? It's better than to, it's easier to ask for forgiveness than it is for permission. Yeah, permission, and so that's what these things just showed up in cities overnight. That there was no vendor licenses or something, right? Well, okay. cities across the country are now kind of working, you know, after the fact, like that, Uber. Like yeah, disrupt yep. Yep. right first. Yeah, then. disruptive technology and and do that. So that's the world that you know that we're living in today, and then we kind of you know play. Play catch up with it, but we yeah. Have done so that with the streetcar, just yeah. driving around. Elon Musk, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> streetcar, put some rails in there, and yeah. Or, so don't mind us. So just <laughs> yeah. So a lot. Of, so to that point, uh, and uh, you know, a lot of people ask, you know, well, why the streetcar? It could be a bus. Why couldn't it just be a bus going around? Yeah, exactly. Why yeah, that's a that's a good point. By the rail, Chattanooga, they have uh, they have what electric buses that are free. You just get on and uh, can go. Go wherever. Yeah, you you, you can uh, you can do that. That's an, there's a couple there's a couple arguments there. Um, obviously, on the capital side, it's you know less expensive. Um, but at the at the end of the day, there's a, a great value and a benefit to that rail being in the ground because it's a sense and a sign of permanence for one thing. So, for example, if I open up a, a coffee shop or a business, if you look at you know Chicago or New York, the you want to be close to a subway stop, right? Because you know there's X amount of traffic that's going to be coming through there. You know, a bus, I, I can get on it. I'm not quite sure where it goes. You know, I'm actually, if I'm not familiar with that city or familiar with the bus system, I might be a little trepidatious to get on there because I might end up someplace I don't want to go. With the rail on the ground, you see where it's at. Um, you see where it goes. And so you can be pretty confident that that's, you know, that that's the route. Um, and so we see on the economic development side that that's and there's all you can get into the, the research and the, and the case studies in other places like Portland started with their streetcar system in the in the mid 1950s. But I think you can go back to our original streetcar system in the 1800s. Is that's how land was developed, you know, around those stops. And so if you're talking about redeveloping areas and uh, attracting uh, people in business, that that sign of permanence is a huge part of that. Also, and it's hard to quantify, but there is a, a subjective and a qualitative difference that you can't quite put your finger on. You know, it's quiet, doesn't uh, have diesel fumes, um, those types of things. There is just something about, you know, there's just something about a train, basically. The fact that it's on rails, it's just attractive to people that might not be, they might not ever ride public transit, but they'll get on a train for whatever 
various sure. reasons, sure. Uh, qualitatively, and um, and so it's just it's just a thing. It, it just is, and and so I don't know if we can always put our finger on it, but it's kind of like a, a, an introduction. If you get used to the concept that you are traveling on a vehicle that you're not the only person in, like your personal car. And this is one of the big assets of this too. I have met so many people on there because I use it, maybe not every day, but several times a week. Like I go down to the Walgreens at, at 4th and Main and you know the streetcar stops right there. So I, that's where I go to the Walgreens. You have these opportunities for social interactions. You can meet you know anyone from a CEO to you know anybody on there. So I mean, it's, there's a lot, actually a lot of downtown folks will take the bus or if they work downtown, it, take a bus downtown and then because if you have a, a metro a monthly pass that counts for the bus and the streetcar so there's folks that work downtown in service industry that'll take the bus down and then use a streetcar to get around to wherever their specific job is and um you know you have these opportunities for a social interaction and that when you talk about living in a city to me that's a big part of it right um and that actually when if if we are just isolated and alone on a cul-de-sac and then we get into our little car bubble and we're by ourselves and we don't talk to anybody and then you get to your destination and you have your blinders on and you just go there's a real value in this kind of I go back to connectivity again even between and among people right and chance conversations who you might run into and exchange a business card with um, that type of thing. You have those conversations, um, and so Which I think is we perception need perception of other humans. Like yes, getting over your stereotypes. You know what I mean, and realizing I can get off and over the Rhine and walk around and be okay. And be okay. Yeah. And people are people, and 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 let's uh, and let's connect and let's uh, talk and let's um, you know accept the uh, uh, differences that we may have, and in that way you might ha- gain some empathy and understanding for other people's uh, conditions and vice versa. I think there's great value and benefit to that. Now, how do you put, if you're looking at an Excel spreadsheet, how do you put a number on that? I can't. Right. Especially in this city of all, I mean, comparing to other cities, that a city that needs to integrate its, you know, various ethnicities and income levels more, it's this one because it's just forever. It's you go back to where you Right. You drive in, you work, you go home. Right. You're surrounded by people just like you. Yep. All right, I go to Kroger on Wednesday and church on Sunday, and, you know, that's 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 good enough. Um, I, I think these are great points that you make, and, and it helps us to, to you know, open our uh, eyes and open our hearts and minds and, and just connect as people and as Cincinnatians. I think there's great um, – I think there's great value in that. I mean, I feel like we're just getting started with you because it's <laughs> yeah, been such dang. a one-sided conversation on uh, on one topic. So you have to promise you'll come back and do this again, and we can get into more topics than public transportation. But I feel like it's very important. So thank you for your research and your efforts and all that stuff because, you know, as a fan of the city, like, I, I just, you know, I travel all the time for, yep. for comedy. So like I get jealous when I see all the things our city could be because I see it applied in other cities. Yep. So, you know, the people who are making steps to help us catch up, I applaud that. And as a business owner in downtown Cincinnati and wanting to see it thrive and do things to help me in that regard, I thank you. But, um, 
Well, that's awesome. I'll be glad to come back. You guys are doing amazing work. And even the podcast, how many are you allowed? Am I allowed to ask that question? How many are you averaging a lot of listeners, right? 6,000 a week. 6,000 a week. That's like, that's awesome. You guys yeah. are you guys are killing it. So I'm happy to come happy to come back. You know, we have a lot of other uh, issues facing the city. I'm happy to talk about any of those. Um, but at the end of the day, we have amazing assets here uh, in Cincinnati. And I think uh, a lot of it is just not selling ourselves short, um, recognizing what we have, look at what we could have, and and how can we, you know, how can we really move forward? How can we uh, improve? How can we grow? How can we grow our economy and jobs and, and, and really just, um, you know, this uh, uh, can be uh, a really a world-class city. And so we should never sell ourselves short. Um, one of the things we do at the end of our episodes is we ask our guests to give us a word that is a coupon people can use until the next episode comes out. So uh, if you were going to give us a word that people can use as a coupon, what word would you pick? Well, we went back to, uh, we went back to community a lot in our discussion. So um, let's do that. At the end of the day, you know, Cincinnati's a lot of the east side, there's west side, there's downtown. We have 52 different neighborhoods. But at the end of the day, we're, uh, we're people uh, of a community. So let's go with that if that works. I don't yeah, know yeah, if that's yeah, enough yeah. characters. Yeah, yeah. Let's so, do it. Uh, okay. until from right now, until the next episode comes out, uh, type in the word community as the coupon on our website or in any of our stores. Say the, the code Just community. come in and yell community. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> You'll get... Coupons flying out of 20% the twenty percent off your your whole order. <laughs> so, uh, how can people follow what you're doing or, or or learn how to get involved? You're you're great on social. Do you want to tell them how they can find you? Yeah. So it's uh, Derek Bauman, D E R E K B A U M A N uh, at Derek Bauman Twitter Instagram. Search me on Facebook. I'm sure I'll come up. And talking about community and, and connecting with people, I love to do that. So um, please feel free. Reach out. Um, connect. Derek Bauman at gmail.com. Uh, shoot me an email. Grab a cup of coffee or a beer. And, uh, yeah, love and to uh, love to link up with floating people. Floating around OTR. Say yeah, hi no. to them. All over, all over the place. That's right. <laughs> That's right. I love you guys. I really appreciate awesome. being here. Cincy Shirts is amazing. Thank you, Derek. Appreciate it. See you again soon so for sure. Thanks, guys. Round, round, get around, I get around, yeah, get around, round, round, I get around, I get around. Derek Bauman, who knew there were so many different facets to transportation in Cincinnati? But when you hear it, that all makes sense, right? So hopefully you enjoyed that. We also invite you to plunder the Cincy Shirts podcast archives. Lots of great episodes back there. John Keyswetter was on talking about WKRP and not just the turkey drought. We talked about the whole show and uh, other TV shows of the era. Uh, we had uh, Dean Gregory on from Montgomery Inn, told a lot of great stories about Bob Hope. Uh, which are great, and about their business in general, of course. Also, uh, we talked to Frank Marzullo, Randy Rico, your old pal Duke Sinatra from the Gary Burbank Show, Finn Rock, as well as Mo Egger, Cash Wright, Mike Mathis, and Johnny Bench. That I think that's actually been the most popular 
episode, along with Haunted Cincinnati 1 and 2, have been very popular, as has Abandoned Cincinnati. So um, we'll need to get uh, Ronnie from Abandoned Cincinnati back on, because half the episode was soccer, half of it, because he's a big soccer nut, and half of it was Abandoned stuff. So maybe we'll do, um, we'll split the difference. We'll talk MLS with him in one episode, maybe we can talk a whole hour of Abandoned stuff in another. So anyway, be sure to tell your friends and loved ones about the show, including folks who may no longer live in the area, or maybe with the school here and moved out, or vice versa. Today's show is produced by me, with help from Josh and Darren. Our theme music is Cincinnati by Big Nothing. They are from Philadelphia, and you can find their music in iTunes, Spotify, or wherever else you get your music. Find vintage tees from great places like Boston, Phoenix, Pittsburgh, uh, let me see, uh, where else? Philadelphia, Louisville, Cleveland, all these great towns at oldschoolshirts.com, and adding more all the time. Uh, We have a lot of, like, uh, baseball designs, well, defunct sports teams in general, I would say, uh, old shopping malls, uh, stores, restaurants, things like that from all those great cities. So uh, in case you missed it, the promo code for this episode is COMMUNITY. And you can use that uppercase, lowercase, doesn't matter. And use that to take 20% off your entire CincyShirts.com order or OldSchoolShirts.com order. Or you can also use the code in our physical, as we say, brick-and-mortar stores in the biz. And over the Rhine, Hyde Park, and Loveland, follow our social channels, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Snapchat for the latest Cincy Shirts news. Tell your friends about the show. Give us a good review wherever you get the podcast from. And as always, download or stream us next time. Bye. I said goodbye